Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everybody. Glad that you are here to study God's Word together. Good to see you all. Hey there, Megan and Lewis. Ken, Mighty Monkey is back. Glad to have you with us. Good morning, Edgar. <laughs> Don't call me Prophet Doug. Uh, who else is with? Hey, Sunday, Sandy. Sorry. Good to have you with us, Caitlin. Good morning. So we're in Romans chapter six, and have you been pondering this? Have you been meditating on this? If you really understand here what Paul is saying, this will change your life forever. And maybe you will teach it to someone else and change their life forever. Paul is saying profound things in this section. And this is another reason why I continue to harp on systematic theology, commentaries, the writings of men, and so on. We had a discussion two days ago about baptism. And it was a worthwhile discussion, and we will come back and we'll look at baptism more closely down the road. It is so easy to read this section and have that discussion, that debate about baptism, and miss the profoundly important truth that the Apostle Paul is expounding here. So don't get caught up in simply theological debate. Let's look. You ready? We're going to drink deeply together. All right. So chapter six begins with, what then will we say? Will we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer, let it not be. Absolutely not. May it never be. We who died to sin. Now, just just sit there for a moment. We who died to sin. Edgar wants to know what causes us to be slaves to sin. How do we get there? Okay, well, maybe Paul will answer that. Maybe he won't, but that's not the pertinent point here. You are dead to sin. How will we still live in it? Do you feel the weight of that? Maybe I should say it the other way. Do you feel the lightness of that? You're dead to sin. But maybe you're like the Romans. Maybe you're ignorant. Maybe we don't understand this. Are, are you ignorant that we, as many as were immersed into Christ Jesus or baptized into Christ Jesus, were immersed into his death? What do you mean, Paul, that we died? Well, if you're in Christ, you joined him and he's dead. Or at least he was dead. He died. We were buried together, us and Jesus. 
We were buried together then with him through the immersion into death. That even as Christ was raised up out of the dead, out of the corpses. So Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection is our death, our burial, our resurrection. We're dead, buried, and raised. Why? So we also might walk in newness of life. Jesus was raised out of the corpses so that he could walk around among the living. We are joined to him and we are raised, not physically yet, not not bodily yet, but we, because we're connected to him, are walking around in newness of life. For if we have become planted together to the likeness of his death, so we also will be of the resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So we're, we're not only dead, buried, and resurrected, we are crucified. We are crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected with Jesus. Why? That the body of sin may be made useless for our no longer serving sin. For he who died, remember there's no has here, he, the, one, the old man is the one who died. That old man that we were, he's dead. He's been justified. I, I mentioned this yesterday. I think the better translation is justified. You, that old man is justified, declared righteous. He's dead. And the application is that the body of sin may be made useless for our no longer serving sin. Now I'm picking on Edgar because that's what I like to do. Um, he wants to know how do we become slaves to sin? But the bigger point here is, what are you going to do now that you are not a slave to sin? Do you recognize that your body of sin has been made useless? We'll come back and put this all together and apply it here in a minute. Just see the truth of what Paul is saying here. And if we died with Christ, which we did, if we are immersed in him, if we're baptized into Christ, we, we died with him. We believe that we also will live with him. Now, this is future tense. This is bodily resurrection. Okay? So, there is a connection between Jesus' actual death and resurrection and our joining him in that in union with Christ, that kind of thing, and our future resurrection, if we've died with him, we're going to live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised up out of the dead, dies no more. 
death has no more lordship over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once. And in that he lives, he lives to God. Okay, so he's bringing back all this language that was front and center in, uh, in chapter 5. So let me, uh, let me take you back there. Uh, just Where are we here? Okay, so let me even go back a little further here. So chapter 5, death reigned from Adam till Moses. Death reigned, right? Death has no more lordship over him. Jesus came and exposed himself, if you will. He, he, he uh, submitted himself to the reign, the kingdom, the, the, the lordship of death. Death reigned. He goes on in verse uh, 21, uh, Romans 5, 21. Even as sin reigned in death. Remember that? All that, that terminology about since Adam, sin reigns and death reigns and everyone's going to die because death is on the throne. And sin reigns in death on the throne. And the Messiah came and he submitted himself under that kingdom, if you will. Does that make sense? He, he submitted to the reign of death. Now, he didn't have any actual sin, but he died once, Paul says, he died once as our representative. Remember all this talk here about representation. Now, the word is not used here, but that's the word that, that I used to help you understand what's going on in this. Uh, you're baptized into Christ and his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection is all yours. He represented you just like Adam represented you. And you're going to die. Jesus represented you. And you're going to come back from the dead. Back in five here. As through one offense, that's Adam's, to all men it's condemnation. So also through one declaration of righteous, because of Christ, to all men a justification of life. For as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were constituted sinners, you know, quote, set up as, uh, as sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, that's Jesus, the many will be constituted righteous. The law came in that sin might abound, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace hyperabounded, that even as sin reigned in death, even over Jesus. So grace may reign through righteousness to continuous or eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So all that is setting up or explaining the, uh, the, the representation and the fact that now that we have been immersed into the Messiah, his crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection is ours. Now here's where it gets very personal for us now. We know, we believe, in fact, that's what he says, here 
in verse 6, 8, if we died with Christ, we also believe that we will live with him. We believe that. We expect resurrection. But we don't simply wait to realize the effects of resurrection. There is effect now. There is, uh, there is impact now. We walk in newness of life. Jesus died. He died to sin. He died to that sin realm where sin and death reigned. He died in that realm. And he was resurrected and he lives to God. He lives now in the realm of God. So also you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Or on the one hand, this is a, on the one hand and on the other hand sentence in the Greek. On the one hand, reckon yourselves dead to sin and living to God in Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. So just as Jesus died to the realm of sin or in the realm of sin, and now he lives in the realm of God, so you consider yourself in the same space, same place, same situation. You died to the realm of sin and, and, and you're alive in the realm of God. Consider yourself, reckon yourself. It's the same, same word that was used in chapter uh, four that righteousness was reckoned to Abraham. Do you recognize, friend, that you are dead to the realm of sin? That whole realm where sin is the master and leads to death and you are a slave to sin, that old man, that old slave to sin, he died. And he was declared righteous. So stop living as though that's your citizenship now. That's exactly the command. Verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Your body is still on its way to the grave. It's mortal. Don't let sin reign in that body. To obey it in its desires. Your body has evil desires. Don't let sin reign. You're dead to that realm. You are not a slave to those desires. Yes, the body is decaying. Yes, the body is going to die. It has not been redeemed yet, as he will say in chapter 8. But you're dead to enslavement to sin, so stop obeying it. Neither present your members, that is the members of your body, instruments, or this word can mean weapons, weapons or tools, don't present your body, the members of your body, as instruments or weapons or tools of unrighteousness to sin. Because that's not your citizenship anymore. You don't live there anymore. But rather, present yourselves to God. That's the realm you live in now. That's your citizenship. It's God as living out of the dead. 
and present your members, your tools, your weapons, instruments, sorry, your members as instruments, tools, weapons of righteousness to God. For sin will not have lordship over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We'll come back and look at the implications of that. Do you see this? You cannot continue in sin because that's not your realm anymore. That man's dead. You are alive to God. Consider yourself alive to God and present your body, your members, as tools, as weapons to God for righteousness. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. I get rather annoyed at so many Christian teachers who even if they don't intend to do this, their bad, poor understanding of the scripture basically tells Christians, you are just a poor, miserable slave to sin and you just got to survive until heaven. We're just going to continue on in this life. Same old struggle. There's really no difference between you and an unbeliever. We have the same temptations, the same addictions, the same struggles. Don't go around telling anybody you're any better than an unbeliever. The only reason you're better than an unbeliever And you're not even better, you're just in a better place because you're forgiven. But apart from that, you are not any different. That is a lie from the pit. It is a complete rejection and repudiation of what Paul is teaching right here. Because Jesus is alive, you walk in newness of life. What does that mean? You are not enslaved to your sinful temptations and desires you are free to obey him. Just just ponder this. Think this through. Psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, Freudian counselors, which make up most Christian counselors today, frankly, even if they don't acknowledge it, have told us that we have addictions. It's not the way the Bible describes sin. The Bible describes what we call addictions as enslavement to sin. And a Christian is not enslaved to sin. So don't believe someone who tells you you have an addiction. The enemy wants you to think you do. Some Christians want to want to make you think you do. We tend to to love the fact that other people sin. Right? I taught seminary for years, and I'd hear students say, "You know, if, if everybody kind of bombed the test or the paper, well, at least I'm not the only one." <laughs> Isn't that the saddest thing? 
Well, yeah, I, I was, I was completely wrong about that, but I'm sure glad I'm surrounded by other people who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, I sin a lot, but at least I'm not the only one. Why does that make you feel better? The goal is righteousness. And in Christ, you are free to obey the Lord. Sin and death no longer has reign over you. You are currently free from enslavement to sin. And after you die, your body is going to be free of death because Jesus is alive. There is no temptation that you will encounter today that you are incapable of resisting. Now, master sin doesn't simply let you go without trying to bring you back, right? Your body has desires. And master sin's going to say, hey, you need to do this. Obey me. And if you've been taught or believe the lie that, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it, then you're going to give in. But the truth is, you have been set free. That old man is dead. He's been declared righteous. You are alive in Christ. So you tell Master Sin, uh-uh, you're not a master anymore. I have a new master. Even death is not my Lord. Oh yeah, I'm still going to die. This body is mortal, but I'm going to come back to life just like my Lord Jesus did. This, by the way, is why Romans 7 and the erroneous views of Romans 7 is so devastating to the church. I've heard, I don't know how many Christians, I'm just like Paul. You know, Paul had this struggle. Paul had this war that uh, Edgar just brought up. And he couldn't do it in either. He says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. That is not what Paul is saying in Romans 7. And that is not what is true. You can. When it comes to resisting temptation, Christian, the words I can't must be eliminated from your vocabulary. It's not, I can't resist this temptation. It's, I won't. You are free from enslavement to sin. You're not addicted. You're not trapped. You just like to sin. Stop it. Present your body for righteousness. Sometimes we get too caught up in our own thoughts and wrestling with these theological questions instead of just doing, doing the right thing. Just do it. Go do the right thing. Present your body to righteousness. Get busy doing good things. Dale says, yep, very sad accretion. Sin isn't inevitable, and we need to deal with that reality, sobering as it may be. Yes. You're right, Edgar. I have uh, 
I ha- it has caught co- this, this, what I'm teaching you right now has cost me significantly because people who sought my counsel and who loved their sin and wanted me to make them feel better as they continued in their sin turned on me and it became a very big deal because rather than walking in the freedom of this newness of life, they love their sin. And I won't be surprised if there are uh, people who show up and just watch this one video and then make all kind of comments on YouTube and X and so on. That's uh, what happens a lot. But I don't care. I don't care because for you who see that this is not me saying, this is what Paul says, your life will be different forever. Today can be different. You are not enslaved to any temptation. Alfred says, is this the first resurrection? Um, maybe. But since we're not dealing with revelation, I'm not going there. I cannot urge you strongly enough. Take some time and meditate on these things but don't get stuck in your head. Live them out. Believe the word of God. That old man who was a slave to sin, he died. He's been declared righteous. You have been united with the Messiah, Jesus, in his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You walk currently in newness of life. Your body of sin has been rendered useless. Reckon yourselves alive to God and stop giving in to temptation and present your body today. October 11th, year of our Lord Jesus, 2023. Present the members of your body to righteousness and enjoy the benefits of being in Christ. It'll change your life. All right. We're going to leave it there. We'll come back tomorrow and keep working our way through this. Have a great, righteous, pursuing day. Take care.